You're listening to audio from Kingsway Christian Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit kingswaychurch.org. Welcome to A Step Further, the weekly podcast of Kingsway Christian Church. My name is Andy Lynch, Connections Pastor here at Kingsway. Matt Nickerson joining us once again as we walk through our series, Asking for a Friend. And speaking of which, we would love for you to share this, to like this, to put, uh, to subscribe to it wherever you uh, listen to your podcasts and, and just encourage uh, others who might have these questions. The question we talked about Sunday, where is God? Mm. Uh, we wonder that as Americans sometimes. Does God do the miracles that we see throughout Scripture nowadays? And so we got a partial answer, I suppose, on Sunday. Hopefully it was a, a helpful answer to you. And today we'll talk more about that as well as it's a question I've asked before, Matt. You know, why, why can't I hear the voice of God, the audible voice? I wish I was like Moses and saw that burning bush. And, and yet maybe maybe I, I'm just not listening. Maybe I'm not watching. But but he gives us some some pretty cool, some pretty clear, uh, I don't know, advice in the Old Testament that we're going to talk yeah. about today. Yeah. So I guess the way that I would lead into this, Andy and I earlier got together and just had a brainstorming. Like, what could this podcast look like? What could we cover that we don't cover on Sunday? And uh, we just got to telling stories. I don't remember how it came up, but um, I told a story. There was this moment in my life, God was ready to do something pivotal, something like revolutionary. And what he did in my life, before we get into the Bible stuff, was uh, I went to a place called the Blessing Ranch. You've heard me talk about this before. Dr. Walker's there, and now his daughter, uh, Charity Walker Byers there is also, and they've moved from Colorado to Florida. So if you go look it up, you're like, what's he talking about? It's a totally different place now. It's a totally different location. But anyway, when I was there, Dr. Walker was running the place in Colorado and that's plateau there that was there. And God was ready to call me to be the campus pastor at my last church. We built an 18 and a half million dollar second campus. He was going to call me to lead it. Had I never done that, I wouldn't be sitting here recording this podcast today. Wow. That crucial step led to the team that found me finding me. They would not have found me. They would have just been buried on a website as a student pastor somewhere. Yeah. So again, I look back now and I go, well, wow, that's like God's hand all over that, right? But what he did when I went up there on this retreat is I was given a homework assignment to read. There's a, this book has two parts to it called Tale of Three Kings. And I was supposed to read both parts and then have a session with Dr. Walker. Well, I showed up and I only read part one. And he's like, all right, we're done meeting. I want you to go read the book. So I went up to the top of this plateau and was spending time with God. But it was so windy and so cold, I couldn't read the book. It was just blowing everywhere. I'm like, well, now I'm going to waste the rest of my time that walking back down the mountain. And I get, you know, I'm running out of time here. So I just literally, they found this little rock alcove. It was like a rocky alcove. It was like a U-shape kind of up top. And I just prayed and said, God, if you would help me, would you just make it the wind die down so I could read this book? And even as I'm saying it, I'm like, this is stupid. God doesn't care. But I had just talked with a friend of mine who had a, another friend who was coming over as a missionary from Africa. And he's telling my friend all these bold, crazy, miraculous things that God has done. And um, so anyway, I was just feeling emboldened in the moment. Like, I'm just going to ask, what's the worst he could say? No, and I got to hike down and figure it out anyway. So, but as soon as I said, like, in Jesus name, amen, all of a sudden the wind died down. I literally sat there, got a cold chill up my spine. Like, did this really just happen? Like, am I crazy? And I told you this story earlier, Andy, but I reached my hand up and I could feel the wind blowing around and I could hear the wind blowing around, but it wasn't blowing on me. And I go, okay, now people out there in podcast land, you have no reason to believe me. Those of you who know me will probably believe me because you trust me, but you weren't there. I got no proof except for a story. But the reason I tell that is because what God did out of that, that book changed my life. The second half of that book, I've now read that book 11 times. I actually just gave it to another local pastor, changed his life. I've given it out to countless number of people, elders, just people I know and meet. It's just such an amazing book. 
do not hear me saying go buy the book because it's not for everybody, but for what I went through, God needed me to get a lesson in that book. I had to get it and I wasn't going to get it sitting in my room and reading it, half falling asleep in the bed because I was tired. I needed a moment for God to intersect my life and do something profound. But what that led me to believe is God still is doing the miraculous today. Yeah, he certainly is. And I, I when you said the wind, that, that struck me because... I had a chance to go on a trip uh, with Kingsway to Northern Ireland with the Moleskis, Aaron and Tana, who do some great work as missionaries in Northern Ireland. And, and they talk about Northern Ireland being this thin place where people meet with God. And, and I don't know, you know, I was, I was skeptical, but I was open. I hear I was a year into my time at Kingsway and I was ready to hear from God. You know, what do you have for me? I, I didn't anticipate any big moments uh, like you, like you had any movements in my life. We seemed settled. We were happy happy to be uh, here. And, and so there I was on the beach each morning saying, God, if, if this is a thin place, I'm ready to hear, you know, you can talk to me right now. And, and so I was not skeptical at all. I was open to it. And, and so I was just kind of calling out, all right, what is it? You know, what do you want to tell me, God? And, and maybe at home, you've heard this as well. You've, you've, you've done this as well. You've cried out, God, I just, I'll, I'll do what you want me to do. I just want to know what that is. I need to hear a clear voice. I need you to show me. And so I was asking for that. And just that morning, I had been reading from First Kings about Elijah. Uh, chapter 19, verse 11 says, to Elijah, who was running from Jezebel, who was wanted to wanted to kill him after he had made a fool out of her and and, and won this competition and proven the Baal uh, was not real. Uh, he was running. He's fearful. And he, the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. The great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart, shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And the wind there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And as I was crying out, it was windy on that beach on the Irish Sea. I was literally standing in the sea because it had receded. The, the tide goes way out and then comes way back. And so just a few hours earlier, it would have been, you know, six, eight, ten feet deep. And I'm standing there on dry ground. And the wind, all of a sudden, as I'm recalling this, calms down. And it's still. And it was a moment uh, where God told me I'm his son, basically. It wasn't an audible voice. It wasn't an earthquake. It wasn't the fire. And then I said, I remember saying out loud, I'm by myself at six o'clock in the morning. The sun had just come up. Beautiful scenery, beautiful sunset. And I said, that's you, God. Hmm. And then I just felt a little wind in my ear. And I said, that's the gentle whisper. And I said, keep doing it, God. And, and just <laughs> this gentle breeze. And again, just like Matt said, you know, you might have stumbled upon us and ah, that's crazy. It's just happenstance, any of those words you'd want to use. But I felt I had to quiet myself and allow just that gentle whisper to wash over me. And then it's interesting, once Elijah's still, that's when he hears the voice. What are you doing here, Elijah? All right, I got your attention. Right. But we, we all can have those moments with God, I believe. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. not every day. They, miracles don't happen every day. They're miracles. So here's, here's it's something that I want to build on something you just said, Andy. What you just said is perfect. Um, I do believe God intends to intersect our lives on a more regular basis than we give him opportunity to do. And that was part of my point in Sunday's sermon is how do we partner with what God is doing in the world? This is not 
for the select few. God doesn't intend to do that. I heard this literally somebody recently said to me, well, man, I mean, given what you do, man, I can't imagine like your eternal reward. I'm like, my eternal reward is going to have everything to do with my faithfulness, what he gave me. If, if I'm a three talent person and you're a two talent person, I don't get a better reward. My point is I'm being faithful to everything he gave me. He doesn't intersect my life more because of my pastor than he intersects my really good friend, Joe Williams, who's an elder here who leads a business. He doesn't care more about me than he does Joe. Joe's got a stories of God meeting him out in the back of his field, right? Taking care of his sheep, yeah. running with his dogs, because that's where God met him in his moment of hour of need. So the point is, where is my life intersecting heaven? For you, it was in Ireland and yeah. among other places, right? You've told stories about Alaska, even Ohio. We know you met God in Ohio. That's where he lives, right? Obviously. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but you said something. So I actually had another moment just like this. We're like telling ghost stories. It's cool. <laughs> anyway. So one time when I was in, I was in a really bad place. I was at a point of burnout. Like in my, I've told the story before, but like I would go to bed at night and, and uh, I'd see a gun going off next to my head. This is at Kingsway. It's about seven years ago. And I was just at a bad place. And like, but I, my, my mom was, you know, literally dying of cancer and wasn't sure she was going to make it. And my family was going through really tough times. The church was going through tough times. And uh, I think we're at 2017 or so at this point, so maybe five years ago. And, uh, and and I remember the church had given me a sabbatical. And on my sabbatical, I remember I was just exhausted, just to please. Early in my sabbatical, before I went to Peru. And um, my wife was like, I'm going to take the kids upstairs, the boys upstairs. I'm going to give them baths. You just stay down here, do whatever. And I remember turning on the sermon by Tim Keller I needed to hear. And it was about that very story and, wow. and about Elijah. And um, I was just exhausted, but had like this list of stuff I needed to do or whatever. And I had never thought of this before. And God, if, and that story right before that God feeds, feeds Elijah with these ravens, literally yeah. bring him food and yeah. bring him water. And it, it literally says like these angelic beings or something, or maybe even the son of God, it's possible, shows up and like makes food for him, makes drinks or like prepares for him. And like, basically like Elijah is burned out. He's worn out. He's exhausted. And God's answer to him wasn't suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> Get back in the game. What are you doing? His answer was take a nap. And it was like, I'm listening to the sermon by Tim Keller and he's saying, you know, sometimes God just like needs to tell you, take a nap. And I thought to myself, you know what? I need to let everything else go right now. I can't control it. I just need to take a nap. Yeah. I just need to rest in my heavenly father. But it was so obvious. God used Timothy Keller's sermon to speak to me. And the timing was unbelievable. I couldn't have had any idea what was going to be in that sermon. I just picked it because I needed a sermon. I just needed something to speak to me. I don't know if that makes any sense. Like, so how does God intersect our lives miraculously? Well, when you're on God duty, like you're doing things with God, God comes alongside you and he chooses the moment. I don't have you ever like you ever drive down the road, Andy, and have like a song play on the radio and you're yeah. like, how could that song have been better timed? I mean, K-Love and Era One based their whole funding campaign around those moments, right? Seriously. They tell you about how this person was, you know, headed to ruin and they turned on the radio and there, there it was. I mean, it's, it's, it happens so often that you said it several years ago, Matt, but we were here and, and I remember you saying it, maybe instead of thinking, oh, that's just a coincidence, you think that, oh, maybe God did that. Exactly. And the phrase I like to use is, if it's too ironic to be ironic, you know, if something happens one time, yep. you go, oh, that's really ironic. Um, or that was really cool. If it happens on a regular basis, you probably should stop and go, I either live the most ironic life that's ever existed, <laughs> or I'm maybe somebody special and maybe I'm dearly loved and maybe I'm dearly cared for. What if those moments weren't ironic? Yeah. What if they were gifts from your heavenly father? Now, well, I get to heaven and God will look at all my life and go, yeah, you gave me credit for those and I didn't have anything to do with that. <laughs> I don't know. 
But I have so many moments of the wind stop blowing. I have so many moments of the perfect sermon at the perfect time, of a text message from a friend when they had no idea. I just This just happened a couple weeks ago. I walked away from a breakfast feeling particularly beat up because of a conversation that occurred. It was not my friend's fault that I was meeting with, but he told a couple stories that had to do with particular gossip and rumors that I have been uh, a part of. Somebody has said about me. I drove away from there. I... I cannot tell you how down I felt. It was about three weeks ago. I just felt down. And I was driving back from breakfast. It was early in the morning to go to the church to do my job. And out of nowhere, I got two separate text messages from two pastor friends who said, I don't know why, but God told me I need to pray for you right now. So whatever's going on, man, I love you. I'm praying for you. If you want to talk, let me know. How in the world do you explain that? I can't explain it. But I was encouraged. It didn't change what I felt like I was dealing with in my flesh. But it, I went, I'm not alone. Yeah. Somebody is with me. Go ahead. And how cool that he uses your friends. He yes. uses people that he yes. prompts to reach out. And so for you at home, when, it, when you feel that prompting, act on it. Maybe it's weird. Yes. Maybe it doesn't make sense. But do it. Just send that text. Yeah. You never know what a difference you can make that God will use you to encourage somebody. So here would be my challenge. And I went here a little bit in my sermon. So forgive me if in any way I'm repeating myself, but I'm going to risk repeating myself because it's too important to miss. How do I get to what God wants, to where I get to hear God on a more regular basis? Mm -hmm. How do I create thin space moments? I haven't gotten to go to Ireland yet. I can't wait to go, but I can tell you this. It's not about Ireland. Right. <laughs> not, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm Irish. So I got, you know, right. <laughs> um, it, there is something about that. Um, but God is everywhere. Right. He's omnipresent. So he's in your basement. He's in your backyard. He's in your bedroom. He's in the mountains of Colorado. He's even, I guess, here somewhere in Indiana. You know, I'm just kidding. <laughs> he's everywhere. So in the moment, how do I create a moment where God would intersect with me? And here's what I would say. It has less to do with a specific moment. It has more to do with a specific lifestyle, a lifestyle of being directed by God. Now, if we can open up the Bible, I want to show this to you real quick. We got time? All right, here we go. So in Isaiah chapter six, you got to lay the foundation for what I want to tell you. What we see is Isaiah is caught up in a vision. And we don't know exactly what that means. He's called up into like this heavenly courtroom. So he's literally standing in the Old Testament temple, but he's seeing some things going on. So it says in chapter six of Isaiah, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on the throne and the train of his robe filled the temple. So part of what we see is, you know, the reason you're being told King Uzziah died is part of you can mark it in time, but also because this is a transition point in the history of Israel. And Isaiah is a prophet and God's going to speak to him. And he gives him this vision. Again, whether he's in heaven or he's on earth, we don't know. Sounds like Paul from one of these other podcasts we did, right? <laughs> we don't right. know. We don't know. But he's he's having this moment and he sees the temple and just the train of God's robe. You remember see those old movies like with a king, he's got like a train or a woman getting married, like a king's train wouldn't be that big. But he's saying just the train of God's robe filled the entire temple with the glory of God. It's just this awesome sight. Whatever he saw, he didn't actually see God, right? You can't actually see God. He is indescribable light. But the train of his robe just filled the temple with the glory of God. Whatever exactly Isaiah saw, he's like, I don't have words for it. It was just God's awesomeness filled this place. And so then there's a seraphim and people are singing out and crying out to God and worship. And, and Isaiah's watching this moment. All of a sudden he realized, he says in verse um, five, woe to me, I cried, I am ruined for I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Like he's realizing I am in a moment of heavenly worship and I am undone. Like I am a sinner. I don't belong here. I'm about to be crushed 
crushed under the weight of God's awesomeness. By the way, the word glory means weight most often. Wow. So there's like this weightiness to God that's coming on Isaiah, and he's like, who can stand in this moment? Well, then God decides, I want to do something in the world. And he cries out, like, who can I send? Who will go? Well, this is what we call a heavenly courtroom. So there are many passages, this is just one, where God, we see God leading on earth through angelic spiritual beings. And God is about to do something in the world. He sends out angels. He says, who can I go? And these angels come and present themselves. I got this idea. Let's do this. I got this idea. Let's do that. And God says, okay, let's go. We'll go with that idea. Well, God leads like a leader in a boardroom. Like he leads like a manager with his team. Like, I've got this thing. Who's going to make this happen? And let's do it this way. Great. You go. Here's the resources. Let's go. And Isaiah gets caught up in the moment. He's like, ooh, in verse six, or sorry, verse eight. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah gets caught up in the heavenly courtroom. Like, uh. And he goes, here, here I am, send me. And he's like, me, 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 I'll go. And, and God's like, yes. And this angel comes and cleanses his lip and purifies him. And I think that's probably the intended point. But I do wonder, like, was Isaiah supposed to speak up? <laughs> like, like, was God going, wait, what's happening here? So there's this beautiful interplay. What I want you to get here, there's this beautiful interplay between heaven and earth. God is doing something in the physical world, and it's happening simultaneously in the spiritual world. And you and I can't see that. So, you know, Sunday we answered the question, why does it seem like God was so active in the Old Testament or even in the New Testament, but not today? And my conclusion, my answer is he's no less active in the world today. Yeah. He is every bit as active. And here's my reason, my reason for going to this text. God wants to do things in the world today. And I think God is looking for a few people who say, here I am, here I am, send me. Later in the book of Isaiah, as Isaiah unfolds, where we are in Israel's history is... Um, they're worshiping false idols. They've turned away from God. So there's a lot of religiosity, but there's not a lot of faithful living. So they're walking through the motions. They show up at temple. They offer their sacrifices. They show up. They celebrate the feasts. But meanwhile, they're they're dancing with other gods. They're, they're literally worshiping other idols and dating other gods. And they're not doing the things God has called them to do. Uh, religion with God, a walk with God was never about just doing religious things. It was always about living in a religious way. We're living in a holy way, living in a way that reflected God to the world. So in Isaiah 58, basically the people are complaining, well, God, we fast and we prayed and you don't do anything. It's like, you're not even listening. Like, so, so why should we keep doing it? And God comes in pretty strong, like the weight of his glory showing up at that moment. He's like, no, wait a minute here. You say you fast and you pray, but you're not doing, you're just skipping a meal. You're just not eating. You're just not drinking. You're putting oil on your head. And this is exactly the kind of things Jesus is talking about. Like, hey, when you fast, don't make a big deal out of it. Like the goal is not the fasting. The goal is what's happening between heaven and earth. And God rebukes them. And then he goes on and he says, you want to know what a fasting really looks like? He picks this up in Isaiah 58 verse 6. He says, is this not the kind of fasting I've chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke? To set the oppressed free and break every yoke? It is, it, is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked to clothe them, to not turn away from your own flesh and blood, then when you actually do these things, then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. I want to stop there for a second. So basically what he's saying is, you want to see me do something? Don't just fast and pray. Do something. Mm, wow. Put your body to work. Start to give yourselves to those who are hurting. Start to give yourselves to those in need. And what you'll see is, then I will heal your land. Wow. Then I'll show up on your behalf. Why am I not seeing God do more things in the world? Well, are you spending yourselves in honor and service of me? 
Makes sense? Yeah. Okay, so then he goes on in verse nine and he says, then when you do these things, when you actually partner with me and who I am in the world, then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, Hanani, Hanani. I don't know exactly how to say it. I don't speak Hebrew. He says, here am I. It is the exact same phrase Isaiah used in the moment. He's caught up in the glory of the Lord and he says, here I am, Lord. And God says, if you go spend yourselves on the poor, if you go take care of the oppressed, if you go free the chains, if you go do these things, then I will say to you, here am I. And then he goes on. This is really cool. He goes on, he says, if you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like your noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. I love this because he's like, if you go spend yourselves on the things that matter to me, then I will spend myself on you. So how do I see again the hand of God move in our day? And the answer is I partner with God in what he's doing. If you're not seeing God in a way that you think deems worthy of giving him the glory, then maybe it's because you're not spending your life on things that matter to him. Wow. How powerful and how intimate that God would use that same word. Hanani. Yeah. That's the kind of God we serve. He wants to meet with you. He wants to be, he wants to be your king. He wants to be your God. He wants to be your father. Yeah. Meet with him. Yeah. Thanks, Matt.